We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Joining me shortly, as always, is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And uh, we're going to have some fun on this episode. Talk about stock up, stock down from training camp. And to help us do that, we're going to bring on our buddy Nick Wagner. He covers the 49ers for ESPN. And we're just going to have a conversation about which players uh, look good in camp, which players haven't looked good in camp, and kind of use that to, to start spinning the conversation towards the preseason, which, of course, opens on Saturday, August 14th. The day before that, though, Friday, August 13th, uh, 7 o'clock at Cooperage Brewing. It is the release event for the Candlestick Chronicles beer that we have um, we have had made in partnership with Cooperage. Uh, part of the proceeds go to the Redwood Empire Food Bank. They'll be out there taking donations. We'll have a ton of your favorite 49ers riders in the building. Uh, Chris Biederman will obviously be there. <laughs> uh nick is going to be there matt barrows matt mayoko uh tracy sandler jennifer lee chan cam inman uh a who's who of 49ers writers are going to be in the building and uh taking questions going to drink a lot of good beer and and have a ton of fun talking football so uh excited to see everybody there super excited for the event again that's friday at cooperage brewing in In santa Santa rosa Rosa. yeah sorry chris you ruined the bit when it doesn't you didn't say it the first time i just wanted to Anyway, let's let's keep going. It's Cooper's Brewing in Santa Rosa. This is supposed to be like, hey, Kyle is sitting by himself, you know, in a dark room recording this, not doing it, you know, as we're doing the pod. Anyways, um, theater of the mind. Cooper's Brewing, Santa Rosa, 7 p.m. Friday, August 13th. We will see you there and enjoy the episode. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. The intro wasn't clunky. <laughs> I'm sorry for interrupting you. I thought no, you were rolling okay. until Chris butted in, but no, thank you, thank you, Nick. That I mean, the Santa Rosa um, part was important. And you said, you know, you said Cooperage in the beginning without mentioning Santa Rosa. So he was, I was saying just trying it the to help second you. time. I know we said it at the same time, so I don't think it was as clunky as Kyle's making it seem. 
No, for sure. Um, and I, I think like I would rather you do that than let me leave out pertinent information and then get to the start of the pod and be like, oh, yeah, by the way, yeah, you missed Santa Rosa. Don't like record have to record it again. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely don't want that. Santa Rosa, Cooper's Brewing. See you there Friday. Uh, stock up, stock down. We are going, we're recording this Monday um, prior to the 49ers preseason opener on Saturday against the Kansas City Chiefs at Levi Stadium. And so you guys are both out at training camp. You are um, observing, taking notes, and believe it or not, there's more going on than just the uh, the Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance uh, shenanigans. So uh, I'm I'm excited to chat with you guys and go over which players have looked good, which players haven't looked so good, or which things or themes or or whatever it may be. Uh, we're just going to go stock up, stock down, super easy. Nick, you were the guest, so we will start with you. Uh, which which player or thing uh, is, is stock up for you right now? Uh, well, first of all, let me say that uh, I'm looking forward to the event uh, on Friday, but I want to apologize in advance to the listeners for having to listen to my takes both on this podcast. And then again, like those who come out, will have to hear from me again. So if you come up to me and under like, you know, forgive me, I will probably buy you a beer. I'm just putting that out there right now. This is for a good cause. I don't want everyone to do that, but the first few, let's put it like that. If you, if you come up and forgive me for putting you through this twice in the span of a few days, I will buy you a beer. Uh, anyway, hey, listen to your ass, buy me a beer. Damn it. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but my stock up actually is a guy that I had zero expectations for uh, coming into camp. And frankly, I still kind of have zero expectations for in the season. It's D four. Um, I, I know he hasn't done a ton of stuff in team drills, but the fact that he's doing any team drills at all uh, when there's other guys coming back from injury, I think is uh, a really good sign for the 49ers. And it's, it's amazing when you really think about it because that's a guy who two years ago, is your huge off-season acquisition. Like, this is the guy that you're counting on to, to really supercharge your pass rush. And now you're in a position where anything you get from him is found money. It, it, like you, you, And Kyle Shanahan has admitted that. Chris Kacarek, talking to him on, on Monday, he was kind of, you know, saying the same thing, that they're not counting on anything, but anything they get out of him will be a big thing for them. And, and he looks like a guy who is trending toward being able to, and he's not going to play 50 snaps a game, nor should anyone expect him to, but if he can give you somewhere between 18 to 20 snaps a game playing at, at, at max, max Q, so to speak, uh, that would be a, a real good shot in the arm for the 49ers and for that defensive line and a pass rush. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think um, just looking at the depth of the, the defensive end group, getting anything from D Ford would be a huge boost, right? Because, you know, Arden Keys had a nice camp so far, but, you know, a lot of guys have good starts to camp and end up not doing a whole lot. Uh, once the regular season comes around, I'm, I'm still very skeptical of the idea that Arden Key is going to be a significant contributor. You have Jordan Willis, who's opening the season suspended um, and then really not a whole lot else. Eric Armstead's going to get some run at defensive end and not in you know base packages specifically and, and against the run. But, yeah, I think Nick makes a great point that anything you get from D Ford is found money. And given that you were able to get Samson Abukam, um, you know, I think if as long as you're not counting on Ebukam to be your number two pass rusher opposite Nick Bosa, if you could lighten some of that burden with D Ford back in the mix, um, I think that's really advantageous for the 49ers. So yeah, D Ford, given that 
he was such a question mark in the offseason. The fact it looks like he's going to be somebody who can provide something, like Nick said, 15, 20 snaps a game. I think I think that would be that would be a really big boon for the 49ers. So I agree with our uh, with our favorite cast member there. We're running into a scenario where the the, the 49ers have a t- <laughs> you're welcome for what's going on on Zoom right now. My cat has <laughs> uh, jumped into the Kyle's screen. Cat's taking over. Um, we're running into a scenario where like going into the offseason, it was kind of like, what are they going to do at defensive end? They need to draft somebody, but the draft wasn't great at that position this year. And Ebu Kama was kind of like, all right, well, if he turns into a like eight or nine sack guy, you know, you're, you, you've got something there, but he's never had more than four and a half in a season for his career. Well, all of a sudden, if D Ford's healthy, Nick, and like you said, like 18 snaps a game, 15 to 18 a game. And, Ebukam is the player that they are kind of expecting him to be. Well, now all of a sudden this position where we're kind of scratching our heads going into the off season now looks like a position that uh, could really be a strength for them. And I think given how this defense is built, that's a, that is a would be, I don't want to call it an off season addition, but like yeah, the kind of biggest off season addition for them, if Ford is going to come back and, and, be an effective pass rusher, even if it is kind of in limited action, just because it's what their whole defense is built around. And and to your point, it's really almost the trickle down effect. And the crazy thing is, is Samson Avicom, you could argue was, I mean, just in terms of the money, he was their biggest outside addition. You yeah. know, not a, not a guy they re-signed this offseason. And D Ford, I, I haven't tracked exactly how many snaps he's gotten compared to Avicom, but Avicom's been banged up. Um, he's been dealing with soreness and swelling in his legs from what we've been told and hasn't been practicing a lot. Ford's been out there as much, if not more than Abucom has. And so I think, I think to, to, to Kyle's point, the defense is not only built around the defensive line, but the whole team is, you know, you look at, at quarterback and the defensive line is where they've invested their most resources by far and away. And what happens is, is when you get a chance to have a D Ford and a Samson Abucom in there, then there's the trickle down where, hey, now Eric Armstead gets to kick inside where he's a much better pass rusher. Uh, you can use Arden Key in the situations where maybe he's getting an opportunity to do it. You can do some of the things they did in the playoffs in 2019 where D Ford was kicking to the other side and lining up next to Nick Bosa and is presenting deep, uh, offensive lines a problem from that perspective. So there's all those things that they couldn't do. And the other thing, guys, is it, it trickles backwards too, right? Because if you're looking at the secondary, I think we all three would sit here and say, boy, there's a lot of questions in that secondary right now. Uh, you know, safety is, is question mark, strong safety. They're playing without Jaquaski Tart. You don't really know who the who the starter is going to be. They may have Tart there for us at some point, but we don't know that. Um, so I think when you look at all those things, that's really the, the benefit of having that pass rush firing on all cylinders. It's great. Uh <laughs> let's let's uh chris let's jump over to you now uh what's your stock up from camp so far well my stock up is also on defense it's jason verrett um mm. he, he's been really good he he's been really sharp uh in the pr- open practice on saturday he had it was two or three um like pretty impressive pass breakups uh, on brandon Ayuk and debo samuel one of them came down near the goal line on a third down he just He's really physical. Um, you know, Emmanuel Mosley said he has the best feet he's ever he's ever seen. Um, and I just think if if you can get top level corner play from from Jason Verrett at his cap figure, which is what five million dollars this year, 
that's an incredible value. And obviously there are the injury concerns, but um, it sounds like he's in a really good place mentally, physically. It looks like he's playing at a high level. Um, he's having a kid this week, so it could be, he could get some sort of supernatural boost from that. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm impressed with Jason Verrett. Uh, I'm impressed with just how mentally tough he is to be able to come back and, and regain faith in his body after everything he's been through and be able to play confidently and play at a high level. Um, it's just frankly really cool to see. And it's one of, I think it's one of the, the better stories on the team. Um, and so, you know, it looks like he's playing at a high level. And if he continues that, uh, you know, at his contract, it would just be, it would be a great value for the 49ers as their, as their top cornerback. Yeah, th- those are all very positive reasons for for why you would choose Verrett, I, I think. And I, I think when you look at, at Verrett, I was just talking about the secondary. Obviously, that's uh, the trickle-down effect of having that defensive line firing. But Verrett is the one guy that you're kind of banking on, which is a little bit of a scary proposition just based on the injury history, right? Like, how you know how is he going to fare now that he's the guy, the number one guy that they're counting on? But to Chris's point, he has been – I mean, you could argue on Saturday, and I, I think I tweeted this, that he was one of, if not the best player on the field that day. And the, and, and the other thing is, is he's doing it against Debo Samuel and against Brandon Ayuk. So he's doing it against those top guys who are going to be the kind of guys that he's facing every week. Yeah. And he has a great story. They obviously need him to stay healthy, which we can say about just about everybody on the team at this point. But certainly those guys who are much is being asked of them. And, and he's, he's almost very similar to D Ford in a lot of ways, just maybe a, a year ahead of him in terms of coming back from injury and, and putting that body of work together to be where you want. But uh, yeah, he's had a, had a very, very strong camp and positioning himself to, to again, follow up on, on a strong comeback season and maybe potentially be even better. Yeah. You talk about his story and then you talk about the 49ers depth at corner. He's a player that they like wanted slash needed to be healthy this year. They, when you look at their their cornerback depth, it's Verrett, it's Mosley, and then it's just a bunch of question marks. Like I was just doing a 53-man roster at Niners Wire, and outside of those three guys, there's not there's not a lot of, of proven talent there. It's like Dante Johnson and Ken Webster, and then the two rookies, Ambry Thomas and, and Diamador Lenore. So Aren't particularly close, by the way, just based on training camp. Like as friends. No, like aren't oh. <laughs> sorry. I think they're fine. They were swag surfing together before practice, so I think they oh, are. Good wow, friends. that's huge. Yeah, but no, I I just mean I, it doesn't seem like they're either particularly close to contributing. As so was. that that just drives the point home more that yeah. the the Niners desperately needed a corner to kind of emerge as that that number one guy, especially after Richard Sherman's exit. And I think if Verrett's going to be that guy, it would not only be a great story, but uh, it would be a, extremely helpful for for the 49ers defense because no matter how good your pass rush is, um, there's like a standard baseline of cornerback play that you need to be successful, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I, especially ahead, in the NFC West. Yeah, I just don't think they can get there if Verrett's not not uh, not balling. Go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to add one more thing that I, I think that stands out about Verrett. And and you know, I think Chris mentioned that Emmanuel Mosley said Verrett has the best feet he's ever seen. But just something that I noticed with just kind of watching practice and during special teams, which is probably the most boring. No, not probably. It is the most boring part of practice. Uh, apology, apologies to my guy Richard Hightower, but uh, <laughs> it, it's it's just it's just not it's just not entertaining. But What's interesting is, is that you'll get position groups where there's one or two guys who are 
definitely definitely not going to be on special teams. And so they have that time to do whatever. They could be screwing around on the sideline, joking around, getting water, whatever it is. And on Saturday, and I've seen this just about every day, Jason Verrett, you can always find him on the sideline next to Corey Unlin doing some sort of footwork drill during that during that time in special teams. And I think it just kind of shows you what that guy's made of, what what where his mind is and always trying to, to get better. And that is the kind of example I think that he's trying to set because he's not one of those super vocal guys who's going to try to lead his teammates, uh, you know, through through his words, but he's going to try to do it through his actions. And you can see it every day if you watch practice. So just a, a note that I think people might be interested in, in hearing about Verrett. My stock up, I was waffling between two. Do I cop out and do both of them or do I pick one? I don't know. It depends on how good they are. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. I'll let here, gonna, here. This is no, I'm going to throw this one out and you guys can tell me if it's a good one or not. Yeah. It's like a choose your own adventure. Kyle. Yeah. This, this is great. Okay. So if you want to do the first one, keep listening. If not, fast forward a minute and then we'll get to the different one. <laughs> Right. We uh, think you'll be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> so, so I want to, I want you guys to guide this because you guys are are there and you're watching and you're, and you're observing, but something that jumped out to me was that Marcel Harris is now playing linebacker, which to me sends his stock up because I don't think he's a very good safety. And I didn't think he was going to probably make the team as a safety. But when you look at uh, Elijah Sullivan and Justin Hilliard and my guy, Jonas Griffith, there it's not like there's a bunch of locks to make the to make the roster at linebacker is Marcel Harris in your estimation like is he playing well at linebacker how's that transition going is he worthy of me saying his stock is going up Chris oh man um putting you on the spot he listens yeah I guess I I would say his stock is up because playing linebacker improves his chances at making the team okay that's Um, kind of what I was getting at yeah, I don't know. Like, it, honestly, I haven't been super locked into to Marcel Harris, but like, I think he's probably going to end up like if they keep five linebackers, I think he's probably the fifth. Sure. And we were talking about it with Nick. Or I was talking about it with Nick at practice the other day. Like, having him on the roster might make it so you can at like keep another guy at another position that you like, right? Because he could potentially also be the fourth safety, right? Right. So there's there's that. Um, it sounds like, you know, his, his teammates are saying good things about him as as to be expected. But um, he's a core special teams guy. And I, I think he's probably going to make the team largely because of special teams. And if frankly, I think if he has to play significant snaps at linebacker, I think the 49ers might be in a little bit of trouble because he's probably their, I don't know, fifth best linebacker, maybe at best. So um but no, I think stock up because he's going to make the team and be a contributor probably is, is not a bad take. Yeah, I think, you know, I view Marcel Harris in a similar similar way to the how I view Jordan Matthews, where they're not exactly a standout at either of the positions that they can play. But because they can simply play those two positions, um, <laughs> it makes them intriguing roster ads. So if you don't want to keep a sixth receiver. I know decisions are going to be tough there, but if you don't want to keep that sixth receiver or, or you don't want to keep that fourth tight end, you can kind of have the best of both worlds with Jordan Matthews and it, it can free you up in, in some other spots. And I think that's similar to how you would view Marcel Harris and uh, it, Kyle, your, your point being that you don't think he's a particularly good safety. Well, if he's not a particularly good linebacker, then I don't know. I don't really know how you look <laughs> at it, but, but I do, but I do think, I do think he's, he's been, 
pretty good at linebacker and he seems a little bit more comfortable there um, just kind of playing that spot. And to Chris's point, special teams is still going to be his ticket to a roster spot. Okay. Moving forward to the choose your own adventure. My second one, um, <laughs> I, we don't need to talk super long about this. I'm getting Brandon Ayuk vibes from Trey Sermon in that it's just universally like, Oh, he's really good. I've not seen anything to the contrary that, and I mean, it's, I know it's hard because it's camp and they're not tackling or anything, but it just seems like everybody who's ever said anything about Trey Sermon, Nick, um, it's, yeah. it's always pretty positive. Yeah. I'd say he's been fine. I, I, I haven't necessarily Stock been wild. flat. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say I've been wowed by him. Um, I actually, I kind of like watching Elijah Mitchell run a little better than, than, hmm. than I do Trey Sermon, at least, and, and I want to add the context of, you know, Mitchell isn't, isn't running with the ones. And so it's a little bit different uh, in, in what you look, but when I watch the running backs, it still to me looks so much different when it's Raheem Mostert than when it's any of the other guys. Um, and that's not to say that Sermon's not going to be involved that the way that they're managing those two guys, clearly Sermon's going to have a role and have a role very early on. Uh, but, but I think Mostert is, is clearly on, on a different level, at least as, as we sit here right now. So yeah, I think Sermon has been fine uh, and I'm, I'm not sitting here to say like, Oh, you need to knock him down your fantasy draft board or, or whatever, but uh, I still would like to see more. And that's definitely going to be one of those things that in the preseason games, you get a better idea to your point, Kyle, of, of when you can tackle and, and all those kinds of things. Rumor has it, that's important. Uh, you know, how you, how you handle, how you handle physical contact, but get out of town, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I just, I, I think he's, I, he hasn't necessarily been a standout from, from my eyes, but sure. that doesn't mean that the, the coaching staff doesn't like what they see. And clearly he keeps getting all those opportunities with the first team offense. So that must mean something. Yeah, he's basically splitting reps with Raheem Moster, which makes me think he's going to have a big role. Um, I think he's kind of the type of player that you're that's that's going to be really hard to draw conclusions from during training camp because he's not the fastest guy, he's not the quickest guy, and with our angle on the sideline, like we don't have a great view of of the lanes and what he's seeing and what he isn't. Um, so you know, I I think the I mean, based on what he did in college and based on the fact it's. Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel's offense. I, I think things are pretty promising for Sermon. Um, but to Nick's point about Mostert, probably like once every second or third practice, there's there's a run where it's schemed up perfectly and it's against the right look, and Mostert's just gone. You know, it's like it's like that touchdown he had against the Jets in week two. Um, and that happens, you know, probably two times a week during training camp. Um, so he still has that big playability. Um and, you know, so I, I think, yeah, it's definitely a little bit different with Mostert just because of how fast he is and how much those plays pop sometimes. But um, I'm still expecting uh, Trey Sermon to have a pretty significant role this season. I'm going to go with stock flat for 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 Trey Sermon. Um, <laughs> let's jump over to let's jump over to stock down. And uh, Nick, go ahead and start us off. Your stock up was D Ford. Who's not? Who or what is not going great in camp? Yeah, I'm going to go with the receiver group at large. And I want to be very clear that I'm taking Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk out of that because they've both looked excellent. Um, so maybe it's unfair to say the group as a whole. Maybe I should say the receiver depth. Um, but I, I think this was a question that we all had kind of coming into camp. And I think as we sit here now, things have maybe clarified a little bit, but not in a way that we expected. So if, if you sat here today and said, who are the third and fourth receivers? I think it's actually pretty clear. And it's Mohamed Sanu and it's Trent Shurfield. 
which I don't think anybody would have necessarily projected before camp starts. And I think it's, it, this is no knock on either of those guys because they both had a good camp and I think they both can be productive players uh, potentially if given, if given the right opportunities. But I think it speaks to where their depth situation is that those guys are kind of a clear cut three and four. And there's not a whole lot of competition behind them of guys where you're like, Oh, that guy belongs or that guy belongs. Like there's not, I, I, I have trouble finding six that I would keep right now. And I think, you know, Jalen Hurd is a disappointment talking to Wes Welker on Monday uh, about, about Jalen Hurd's position with the team. One of the things he kept bringing up is like, yeah, it's kind of hard if you're not on the field and you know, we don't, we don't know if you're, if you're at practice, we don't know what we have there. And, you know, they, they talk about Hurd in a similar way they do D Ford when it comes to like, Oh, anything we get from him is found money. But that's not quite the same because D Ford actually is out there and you can see the progress that he's making towards being back where you don't see that with Hurd. Richie James Jr., another guy coming back, you would expect to be in the mix because he's been here, has had a lot of drops in this camp. At least I can, I can think of four off the top of my head on balls that he should have caught. So, you know, where is his progress? So I, I think that, you know, I was an advocate, as you guys know, for the, for the Julio Jones trade. I understand why they didn't do it. I don't think they even would have been able to just based on – the Falcons probably wanting to send, send him to the AFC. But part of my reasoning behind that wasn't just, oh, Julio Jones is a really good player, go get him. Sure, that was a huge part of it. But the mm-hmm. other part of it was, again, kind of what we were talking about earlier, the defensive line, that trickle down of let's get a guy here that makes our depth that much better, take some of that workload away from particularly Debo, where you can use Debo uh, in, the, in the right you know, spaces and maybe try to keep him a little bit more healthy so you don't have some of those issues. I just I think wide receiver depth is still an issue on this team, and it's something that I would be concerned about based on especially Debo's injury history, but even the fact that Brandon Ayuk didn't make it through last year uh, without any issues either. Yeah, I think you – I totally agree with, with that point. And, you know, I think the 49ers need something from one of these three guys. They need something from Jawan Jennings, Austin Watkins, or Travis Benjamin. And, frankly, like, I don't think they've really gotten it. Um, I don't know if Kevin White can can be an NFL receiver, uh, <laughs> at least. I mean, he's fine on special teams, and I know he got some run there last year. River Craycraft, same thing. The Simba Webster, you know, like a return specialist. He did have that one. Uh, he, he made a nice touchdown grab in, from Trey Lance during a, um, a red zone drill last week. But, I mean, other than that, there really hasn't been a whole lot um, in terms of you know, things to be excited about from guys battling for those fifth and sixth receiver spots potentially. So, um, you know, Jennings is, has only practiced uh, what two or three times since coming off the COVID list. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's somebody who uh, will, will have an opportunity to make a surge here, but yeah, beyond, beyond Sanu and Shurfield, I I think the 49ers are are sort of leaving a lot to be desired. And, and, um, you know, there's certainly an opportunity for, for somebody to step up, but to this point, we haven't seen it from anybody. And maybe that comes in the preseason. I have two questions, uh, based off of this one. Um, do you think maybe to combat, uh, their depth problem, they keep like seven or eight receivers? Yeah, so that, that's, 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 the <laughs> thing you, that's the thing you always want to do when you, when you have a very even competition of guys who aren't playing well, just keep more of them. Keep them all. Yeah, right. absolutely. Carry the because battle into the season. One of them has to be good, right? Eventually <laughs> they have to produce, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a, br- a brilliant plan for sure. Thank you. I'll run it up the flagpole. Yeah, with, absolutely. Uh, I'm sure you'll find someone in Twitter land who will agree with you. All right. I'll, uh, I'll fire that tweet off. Yeah, here get in a, a big piece it, going on that. Um, 
yes or no because i want to keep this moving nick and chris i'll give you this this question as well um right now on august 9th at 8 39 p.m if you had to bet on it does jalen hurd make the final roster if i had to bet on it yeah, right, right now with, with with the opportunity to, to you know, sure, of course, it's not uh, set answer, in stone. My answer is no. Um, and I think it's based not just on what I've seen, but just what I've heard. I mean, I'll, I'll read you the quote. I, I was talking to Wes Welker about it on Monday, and this is what he said. I think he's a smart guy and he understands the plays and all that stuff. But you can know it all you want. If you don't practice, it's just really hard to make our football team. It's just really tough for us as coaches to be able to trust anybody that can't practice. So we'll see where he's at health-wise. Obviously, his health is the most important thing for us, but you also have to get the reps. And yeah. that's the thing with with Heard that, uh, you know, Nick Bosa is on the same kind of schedule in terms of you know, every third day, you know, it seems like they get a, a maintenance day or they're doing something else with, with their returns. But Heard gets the, you know, it'll be a couple days off. And, you know, whereas Bosa will be back, you know, things like that. Um, and the other thing is, is when Hurd has been out there, which hasn't been a lot, I think he's had what, Chris, one catch in team drills so far? Is that yeah, right? He, he doesn't even practices? get targeted all that much either. Yeah. yeah. Um, it just it just doesn't like, you know, when he was a rookie, he looked explosive. You, you could see what they saw on him. You could see the fit. I, and I'm sure the injury has, has sapped some of that, but you just don't see it. And so, um, you know, maybe he ends up being a guy they don't want to give up on and they can, you know, put him on IR or something and, and keep him around and give him one more go next year. But it, it just, it just doesn't look, it just doesn't look good for him at, at this particular moment. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've heard the same things, um, about Heard recently. And so I just think, you know, I think it's Bosa, I think would practice if it were up to him, he would take every rep. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Jalen Hurd has that same mentality. I'll put it that way. Interesting. Based on based on what I've heard. All right. Jalen Hurd stock down. Chris, what's uh what's your next one? So in so we we spoke to the assistant coaches today. We spoke to um Rich Gangarello, the quarterback's coach, and and Bobby Slowick, the, the pass game coordinator, and reading what you know, Albert Breer wrote in the MMQB and talking to Kyle Shanahan. Everybody is sort of talking about the quarterback situation like there's two dis- two distinctly different offenses um, based on who's playing quarterback. And if you read between the lines of what these guys are saying, and and you know, it's pretty it's spelt out pretty clearly, I think, in, in what Albert Breer wrote. It seems like it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo as a starter with Trey Lance mixed in a lot. And so my stock down is the idea of having two quarterbacks that play a lot. I think you just need to pick one. And, you know, I, I just I, if if you have two and lose games then it becomes a serious question, if you have two and one plays significantly worse or significantly better than the other guy, then you have a significant question. And I think Kyle Shanahan might be outsmarting himself thinking. I can create this brilliant offense where we have Jimmy Garoppolo do Jimmy Garoppolo things. And then we have Trey Lance come in and do Trey Lance things. I just, I I see how somebody like Kyle Shanahan, who's as smart as he is and can play call as well as he typically does. I just think this isn't going to, if that's the approach to start Jimmy Garoppolo and then have Trey Lance play, a series here and there, or, you know, 10, 20 snaps a game, whatever it might be. I just think it's a bad idea. 
Um, I think you're inviting more problems than are necessary. Then, you know, I think you have much, you have fewer problems if you just pick one quarterback and go with that guy. Um, so it's still very early in the process, but just sort of talking to people and, and reading between the lines on this thing, at least what the 49ers seem to be planning for right now is to have Jimmy Garoppolo start mixed in with some Trey Lance. And I just think it's, it's going to be overly complicated and could event could potentially be problematic, particularly in games that they lose. Right. Like it's one thing if Jimmy Garoppolo has a bad game as a starter, the answer to that is, is easier to come up with. It's much more difficult to kind of to come up with an answer. If you have one of your two quarterbacks playing poorly, because it's sort of dependent on the situation and how you're using those quarterbacks. Um, so I just, I'm, I'm out on the idea of using both guys, both guys having significant roles. I think you need to pick one. And if it were me based on training camp, I would pick Trey Lance. I understand. Um, I understand why, I mean, it's too early to, I think to, to say Trey Lance should be the starter. But given what we've seen over the last week and a half of camp, given what we've seen from Trey Lance since uh, the spring program, I think he's on, I think his trajectory is going in the right direction. And given the surroundings, the talent around him and the scheme, I think the offense could be more than good enough to, to play with the rookie quarterback in sort of a quote unquote training wheels offense and have that full time, figure out the Jimmy Garoppolo stuff later. Um, that's just my opinion. But I think you I, I just think Kyle Shanahan needs to pick one or the other. And I, my stock down is the idea that he could be trying to go into the season using both. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily. I, I guess. I guess I just go based on what the words that Kyle Shanahan uses, and I think Kyle Shanahan has been very careful, and he's acknowledged that he's been very careful um, in the words that he uses. And the word that he used on Friday, when for the first time he acknowledged that Trey Lance was going to even play this year, I asked was, that question. He, oh, nice. Uh, was got big feather in the cap for you. Chris is walking in tall cotton right now. Uh, but the, the word that he used was situationally. And situationally to me means situational football, which means red zone, short yardage, situations like that. I, I agree with Chris on the idea of if you're talking about, oh, we're going to get Trey Lance a series every half. I don't like that idea. I just, I, I'm, I'm with Chris on that. I don't, I don't like the idea of of messing up the flow of, of a game or whatever. Uh, you know, if, if, if your quarterback is struggling to the point 
that he has to come out. Okay, that's a different conversation. But if if the idea is that, hey, we're going to sprinkle in Trey Lance and use him situationally, and people make the, the Taysom Hill comparison, and I think it's valid only in the sense of, like, they're not going to use him at wide receiver, of course. They're not going to put Trey Lance out there for that kind of stuff. But I think the idea that, hey, you can put Trey Lance out there in particular situations, and he gives you more than just the running ability that, that Taysom Hill gave the Saints. He gives you the throwing ability too. So you can still do things with him that you might not have been able to do with Hill. So I think that's where the comparison is fair. And and that's where I, I think Kyle Shanahan's mind is right now. I could be wrong, but just, I think he's, he, again, very, very cautious with his words and the word situationally is the word that kind of sticks out to me because I think that's more what he's speaking to than, than some sort of a, a timeshare, because I agree with Chris. I think that that's when it gets overly complicated. And that's when I think your quarterback situation uh, your quarterback competition, that's when it morphs into a quarterback controversy when you start doing stuff like that, and that's what you want to avoid in this situation. And it would be a little bit like if they get there, then it means that Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't good enough to keep the job, mm-hmm. but Trey Lance also wasn't good enough to outright win the job. And and that's in the scenario where because in the in the Albert Breer piece, it sure sounded like Shanahan was like, yeah, hey, we might just go start a different guy every week. <laughs> Who knows? And part of me was like, well, that's ridiculous. That would that he he would never actually do that. And and so I started thinking that maybe he's just like throwing stuff out like. He just like, yeah, whatever. Maybe we'll start a different guy every week. I don't freaking know. It's early August. Yeah, if it felt like I can't I can't fathom they go into the year where he's going, hey, nobody won the nobody won a competition. So uh friggin you're (laughs) buckle up. Shanahan's quotes talking talking about using both guys and maybe it depending on the week or whatever. I mean, to me, it's like it came out as you know, that's what you say when you don't want to call it a true competition yet, which Shanahan has been hesitant to do. Um, in the same article, by the way, Jimmy Garoppolo did say it's a competition. Um, and hmm. you know, it's the NFL, everything's a competition. So to sit there and call it and to say, it's not a competition is, you know, I, I just find it <laughs> inaccurate. It's not, it's not a competition, but if the number two guy is better than the number one guy, he's going to start like, yeah. Okay. then that's yeah. a competition. So, doc. so that thought is like, all right, we don't want to call it a competition. And we also don't want to shit on Jimmy Garoppolo's trade value potentially. Right. So that's the, th- that's the thread. Um, or that's a needle that Kyle Shanahan is trying to thread right now. And it's a little bit weird. And to me, like if Trey Lance is good, if he's a guy you want in red zone situations or like third and short or whatever, like we've seen it in practice. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing we're going to see a version of it in the preseason game, but like if he's better in those key situations, why wouldn't he be better in the other situations? I just don't know. Aside from like the experience stuff, I don't know what Jimmy Garoppolo necessarily does better than Trey Lance that you couldn't make up for with uh, with your with your scheme or like, you know, you could put Lance in advantageous situations purely based on X's and O's, which is what Kyle Shanahan did with with Robert Griffin. And so to me, like if you're if you think Trey Lance is good enough to have him on the field in key situations, and I think he I think you should think he's good enough to start. Um, because you can make up for the stuff that he doesn't do like Jimmy Garoppolo uh, in other ways with a different version of the offense. And they're clearly developing a different version of the offense for Trey Lance. Yeah, there's there's this notion now that there's 
all these options on the table. There's 57 different ways the 49ers could go with this. And it's really not. It, it, there's, I think there's three, like three realistic options. One is Jimmy starts and Trey sits. One is Trey starts and Jimmy sits. And the other one is probably the most likely, which is Jimmy starts and Trey gets used situationally, which look, I understand that everyone wants to, to say, Oh, the, the Niners aren't being honest about this. They're going to, they're ultimately going to switch to Lance. So yeah, but you know what? Throughout the quarter, this whole quarterback thing, they've mostly been pretty honest. Like they they said they were going to keep Jimmy the whole time, and they have, despite the trade rumors. You know, uh, they they went and got their quarterback, and yeah, I know there was a lot of subterfuge back around 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 that stuff. But uh, you know, I, I do think that those are the three options that they have, and and I think that those one of those three is going to be ultimately the choice that they make, and. It's, it's just not necessary to complicate what is a complicated situation any more than it already is. And, and I, I think that's kind of you, like we, we do this and I, I'm, I'm probably as guilty as anybody where you can do the, you know, paralysis by analysis thing where you're overthinking this whole thing. And at the end of the day, who's better, who is better when it comes time to make the decision. And we're not at that point yet. We're not there. And and I'll be one to say, like, I, you guys know, you can vouch for me that I, I was high on Trey Lance from the very beginning. I, I, I like a lot of the things he's bringing to the table. I, I think if you watch practice, it's, it's not really a contest in terms of just tools, in terms of ability. Uh, I think even Jimmy Garoppolo in an honest moment would probably say that. Um, but it's not just about that. There's a lot of other factors that play into it. And Trey Lance hasn't been perfect. As much as some people might want to tell you that, uh, you know, on Twitter or whatever, he has not been perfect. He's especially the last few days I've seen him, him he's still throwing high missing high on some throws yeah uh, he cooled really, down he cooled down over the last few practices yeah and again I'm not and I'm not saying he's not going to be great I still have I still think he's going to be very very good I'm just saying he's not there yet and I think let's at least get to next week and get to those Chargers practices where he's going to get a chance to go uh, go against the number one defense for a couple of days and and see where he's at and I think that's really ultimately Kyle Shanahan right now and he knows this He's in a no-win situation no matter what he says. So I think his whole thing is let's get to the point where we can get a true evaluation of these guys before I say anything definitive. And I don't, frankly, I don't blame him for it. Yeah, I definitely think that's the right, the right course of action for him. And I think, too, you talk about, Chris, like you said, that Lance has cooled off the last couple of days, and that's why Shanahan's not committing to anything yet. Because if, if Lance continues to stack bad days, like that's been the big thing, stacking days. If he continues to stack bad days, then it's hard to imagine them going, all right, now let's throw him out in a regular season game and try and win it. Um, so that's why I think there's just this, if you just took away social media, like <laughs> I think the conversation would be so much different. But you know, you get people out at practice who are either uh, covering practice, who are there as fans, you know, posting video and, oh my God, Lance made this play. It was unbelievable. Um, I just, the hype train feels like it's gotten a little bit out of control and it's mostly like fan driven because I think everything from the coaching staff and the team has been consistently kind of downplaying. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, what, what's, you know, I think the hype has a lot to do with social media, but I also think like in, in some, some of those practices, like, I mean, Lance had two completions over or two incompletions in two days. While yeah. also while also having a handful of just like really eye opening plays, so right. they're but like, it's, but I it's feel, what happens after that. What happens in no, the days after? Sure. You have to and, do that but, day after day after day. Yeah, and he hasn't been bad the last couple of days. It just wasn't at that level. 
it was you know i he it, it they're just more like all right there was you know two fumbles with wayne gallman and zone replays there are cadence issues there are offensive pre-snap penalties there are bad throws like nick mentioned just like a few more things are popping up he's still very clearly the more talented quarterback but just the last couple of days it's like all right it's been a little bit rockier than it was in the beginning when he was just like red hot and rolling to his left and throwing 50 yard touchdowns. <laughs> and, and and I think the other part of it is, is you have to, you have to consider that if you go with Lance to start the season and Garoppolo is your backup, I think it's a lot harder to go back to Garoppolo yes. than it is to go from Garoppolo to Lance one time. And, and yep. we've seen Kyle Shanahan, there is a track record of that, obviously not with this scale of player and this type of investment in the player, but Kyle Shanahan, even last year, and we're talking about with Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard in a lost season where he would get asked multiple times when Mullins was struggling, what about going to Beathard? What? And he's like, I don't want to play the flip-flopping quarterback things. So he didn't want to do it then when it would have like, nobody would have cared really. Yeah, and, right. and, and like, so in a situation like this, you don't want to, you don't, first of all, you don't want to crush your, your rookie quarterbacks uh, confidence but you also don't want to put the team in a weird position either because the locker room is a big part of this conversation too. And I think the locker room still has a lot of love for Jimmy Garoppolo too. Um, yes or no question. Does Trey Lance make the team? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's kidding. I wish I had, uh, I've I wish changed... I had a more fun answer, but I didn't. I thought, it was more, I thought it was more fun to take the kidding, like with a serious answer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um... Got a shot. <laughs> so Long I was thinking go, of, I was thinking of as a bit doing stock down like like Josh Perkins. Um, but I've changed my answer based on what you guys have said throughout this podcast. Okay. Stock down right now, August 9th, stock down on the draft class. Mm. Um, Trey Lance is, you know, like look, he's been, he's a number three pick. He's super talented and he is tracking to be a really good player, whether it's this year or next year. Aaron Banks is not starting yet. Um, Diamador Lenore and Ambry Thomas are two players that Chris said aren't really standing out. Uh, Jalen Moore, the left tackle from Central Michigan, Western Michigan, Western Michigan. Yes, Western. Uh, Western Michigan is playing tackle instead of guard and actually might win the swing tackle job or compete for the swing tackle job, which is okay. That's, you know, that's good. I've heard good um, things from from people inside the building who have watched practice on Jalen Moore. Chris is doing Um, a deep dive on Jalen Moore. Love it. He's got a big report coming. Yeah. Yeah, You know, he's a beefy fit on the offensive line. So we'll, uh, we'll hopefully, you know, get more from him in the preseason and kind of see how he does. Cause right now he's, you know, and he's not going against, you know, Nick Bosa and team drills or anything, anything crazy like that. Um, You know, Elijah Mitchell is still a question mark at running back. Although Nick, you said you you actually prefer watching him run, but again, um, I think Matt Barrows noted and he noted in the athletic that he's lost like 15 pounds, um, and he's a big tackle breaker in college. So we'll have to see if he can continue to do that. Uh, and then Talanoa Hufanga is uh, apparently running around like Troy Polamalu um, per Kyle Shanahan. Uh, so I don't know. I just um, he doesn't seem to be in the mix for the starting strong safety job. I just. Like I said, not not to say that the draft class is a disaster. Like you can't obviously say that uh, halfway through their first training camp, not even halfway through the training camp, but um, just stock down on how impactful this class is going to be this year. It's an interesting. It's an interesting point, and and yeah, the, the first thing you said, of course, is what matters the most. If 
no one's going to care about any of the other ones if Trey Lance yeah, turns out to be exactly. the guy. But I, I will say that uh, I think the Banks thing has been a little bit surprising. And not, you know, again, we're only 10 practices in. And, and Mike McDaniel said the other day that Banks is going to get his opportunity soon. But the fact that three other guys, including Tom Compton, have already, you know, gotten reps with the first team offense, you know, maybe not a great sign for Aaron Banks. And just the other day, uh, Maurice Hurst beat him a couple of times uh, very quickly uh, in, in team drills and in some pass rush situations. So I, I, I think that's a fair, a fair point to bring up. I, I would argue really, I think, and Chris, you correct me if I'm wrong, other than Sermon is Hufanga, the, the, the guy who's probably been the most impactful in practice, uh, at least in team drills. I, I think he probably has been. And, uh, you know, he ran with the ones when they had a couple guys missing when Jimmy Ward got a vet day the other day. Uh, I think he's going to be a key special teamer, which we all, we already kind of expected, but he's had a couple of moments in practice. He had the one practice where he, I think he had two or three run stuffs and, and, and a would be sack. So um, yeah, but, but you're not seeing a lot of other big flashes from some of those guys and really Lenore and Thomas both have had a fair amount of opportunities with the first team because they've been missing guys, whether it was Mosley on the COVID list or, uh, you know, Kenny Webster got banged up the other day. And, and so, so there's been some chances there and, and you just haven't seen those kind of big flashes that you want to. Yeah, I would mostly agree. I think Hufanga is going to be a contributor. I think Jalen Moore is going to be probably the swing tackle. Um, so, you know, those those guys being drafted on day three, I think if, if they're just on the roster contributing, um, I think that's a win their rookie year. But yeah, Ambry Thomas, I don't think, has looked particularly close. I think after, you know, taking 2019 off or sorry, 2020 off and not playing since 2019, I, I think there's some significant rust there and he's still getting back in the mix. It seems like Diamador Lenore, he he has gotten a lot of first team reps, mostly because they've been banged up at cornerback and Emmanuel Mosley was out for a little bit with COVID, but um, he gets picked on a lot. And he doesn't make a ton of plays and and that's to be expected. And um, it's still early for those guys for sure. But yeah, I, I think it's a fair point aside from Trey Sermon. Um, you know, I don't, I don't expect a lot of these guys outside of Trey Lance to, to have a, a huge say in what happens to the 49ers this season. And one other thing, just real quick on Lenore is, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a little bit unfair to judge him just in the sense that he was brought in to be a nickel corner. And because they've been so banged up, Mm. And had guys missing at corner. He's been playing outside a lot. So I, I think, you know, again, we're not writing any of these guys off at all, but right. him in particular, has, he's been put in kind of a difficult spot so far. Any that you guys wanted to maybe touch on that, uh, that we didn't get a chance to. Um, Aside hmm. from Josh Rosen. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess I've never, I've never made Sudfeld just because Rosen stock is so. I don't think I've ever seen Kyle Shanahan just be like, yeah, he's been bad the last few days. Like the way he, the way he did. I guess he's done it with like Dante Pettis. Well, what's interesting is, is I would say just saying that it was the last few days is generous. Uh, Mm. You know, Rosen's been missing throws (laughs) from the jump. Uh, You know, there was a couple of moments in maybe like the first practice or two, but. Yeah, that 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 whatever competition that is uh, hasn't really panned out to me. I still think, and I'm standing by this. I think they should just keep the two quarterbacks, uh, Lance and Garoppolo, hmm. and use that extra roster spot. Keep Sudfeld on on the practice squad, um, and you know if you want to bring in a fourth guy since you have the expanded practice squad, fine. But uh, I I think to me, you know, if you have two quarterbacks that you really like 
and you're going to plan to use anyway. I'm not sure what the need is to have that third one on, on the active roster. I'd agree. And if you did get to a point where you needed a third quarterback, I'm willing to guess either Nick Mullins or CJ Beathard will be available on a practice squad that you could just pull up in case you absolutely needed a third guy. Wow. Like I if would, some I would be that would go over so well with the fan base. Well, on the that, would, list. that would mean they're down true. They're down two quarterbacks. So yeah. There's fan no winning in that situation. Josh Johnson, anyone? Yeah. Let's do it. The New York Jets. Just get the band back together, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, all right. Anytime you can trade three first round picks to move up and draft a quarterback and then finish the year with the quarterback room that you had the previous year, <laughs> you do it. It's basic math. I'm just uh, saying it's it's part of the case or keeping just two. That's all. I'm not saying they should do it. No, that's fair. I can I can rock with that. Outside of coming to the event. In Santa Rosa, Cooperage Brewing, 7 p.m., Friday, August 13th. Nick will be there. Chris will be there. I'll be there. Uh, do you guys have anything else for us? This is fun. I don't. I don't know. So. I, I don't even have a good joke to go out on. So No, that's a, no, that's okay. I'm all, it's always a weird thing because um, we kind of just said, like, hey, here's what we're going to do. And I didn't want to just be like, all right, hey, subscribe, rate, review, see you guys. And then have one of you guys be like, well, I want to talk about this thing. So I just wanted to run it by you guys. Um, Trying to be courteous. You, we, we can let Chris get his Jonathan Kaminga takes off real quick. Oh, I know he, strong. He was, light minute. Jonathan Kaminga. For more yeah. Warriors talk, subscribe to the Light Years podcast. Sam and Andy do a great job, but we do a segment called Light Minutes where we just uh, we, we spit our Warriors take. So, uh, Chris, you have the floor. Jonathan Kaminga, your thoughts? <laughs> He's going to have some moments and some blowouts. Um, mm, I like that. And maybe the second half of the season, he gets some rotational minutes in close games. Okay. but Nick, do you agree? Just great take, yeah. I, I totally <laughs> agree. Yeah. Did just, you, did, just did speaking you... vague generalities as much as possible. Like, <laughs> He, Jonathan Kaminga is just built different, guys. <laughs> that's all. I, that's all. I, that's, my, that's, my, yeah, that's, that's my. what take. they say. Yeah, that's my take. He's a, he's a man among boys. He's yeah. going to be playing among men sooner than later. Yeah. So. Um, Moses Moody, Chris. Uh, like it. He's got. Um, I think he. I think the best case scenario for Moses Moody is like Danny Green. Okay. I think, that's under, I think that's undershooting what Mo, Moses Moody could be. Personally. Oh, you like Moses Moody? Wow. Wow. You, know, you guys know I was big on Moody. I, I thought Moody at seven would have been fine. Okay. Oh, that's right. You I, were. Oh, Kyle okay. Were that's, pushing Moody. No, that's perfect. You were anti Booknight, uh, yes. James Booknight from UConn. Did yeah. you see the possession where Davian Mitchell of the Kings locked him up tonight? I didn't see it, but I can't say that I'm surprised. Well, it, I mean, it, it happened a bunch. Uh, Davion Mitchell's nickname is Off Night, which right. is an un- unbelievable, very strong nickname. Uh, yeah, there was a it's more like Davy Davy Off Night. Is you know they need to it's not Davy on you know. Sure. How um, is Kyle have, of all people not amused of, by that? Speaking of speaking of off, we're turning this off. Wow, <laughs> we have Kyle some breaking news. People. Hold on, didn't Since, like that. Oh, joke. breaking news. Breaking it's a good news. joke. I just I like to play up the bit sometimes where I'm like mad at it. It's a really good Free, joke. This is this is from Woj at ESPN. Oh, more light more light minutes. Another another cast member. Um, free agent guard Chris Chioza 
has agreed oh, to a Florida. one-year deal with the Golden State Warriors. Former Florida Gator, Chris Chioza, I believe. Yeah, Chomp oh, That's on. good knowledge, but I've never heard of Chris Chioza. I watch a lot of college basketball. <laughs> okay. Embarrassing amount. But Chris Chioza is stepped on Nico Mannion. <laughs> put it, let's put it like that's that. a fantastic take Stepped on i okay. love it all right that does it for out. our light minute segment where we talk golden state warriors thanks everybody so much uh, nick thanks so much for hopping on with us uh, on a monday night we will see you on friday um subscribe rate review if you haven't and we'll have another pod later this week and then we'll we'll see you all friday night at cooper's brewing in santa rosa Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.